Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers this morning. I'm so excited that I get to be here this morning and I get to be right here. Women are a special breed. We are very special and we have a lot of quirks and we have a lot of, you know, interesting things about us and about our our character and our moods and all of these things. But women are interesting Uh, all through time. uh, Women have been put in um, kind of... um, Uh, If you look back into the Jewish culture and in the Bible days, it was very male-dominated time. Um, The daily uh, prayers of Jewish men actually included this prayer of thanksgiving. Praise be God that he has not created me to be a woman. Can you believe that? Anyway, I want to just bow our heads for a moment and ask the Lord's blessing upon this message this morning. Father, I'm so thankful that I get to be here today and that I get to share, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, that you've placed within my heart, Lord, a a sure message, Lord, and a powerful message for our women today. God, help me to deliver it the way that you would have me to this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, back in the Bible days, a woman's place was thought to be just in the home. Actually, not so far that back, far back, but even, um, you know, a hundred years ago, people's uh, thoughts about a woman that she was to be only in the home, responsible only for bearing the children and taking care of the home. Um, but in the Bible days, women were below and beneath a man. Uh, men were not even uh, men were not even allowed to greet women in public. They were not spoken to in in uh, public. Many taught that women should never leave the home other than to go to the synagogue. Uh, most usually, women in the Bible days were married very young and were almost always under the protection of their husband, first their father and then their husband. And then if they were widows, then it was their husband's family or the husband's male relative that watched out for them. I want you to know that I probably wouldn't have fared very well back then. I would not have enjoyed living in that era. This uh, last Wednesday night, my daughter was speaking for on worship in the cultivation class, and she was saying how when she was younger, she can remember using the phrase, um, she says to her brother, I don't know, she might have used it to me a time or two, I don't know, maybe under her breath, but uh, she says she remembers using this phrase, you are not the boss of me. And I can remember using this phrase actually to my husband when we first got married. Only it wasn't, you're not the boss of me. But I can remember saying many times, you're not my daddy. Any women out there, can you relate? I'm not the only one, am I? <laughs> okay. All right. You're not my daddy. And, and now I don't say those words. I never say, you're not my daddy. But I do say, okay, daddy. So I don't think I would have fared very well back then. Uh, Women in those days, they had little access to property or inheritance, except through maybe a male relative. Their father's inheritance was always left to the sons, and they didn't get any. Any money that a woman uh, earned belonged to the husband. I'm telling you, I would not have liked that one bit, you know? I mean, for for us, it's it's, uh, his is mine, and mine is mine, you know? So... 
any money a woman earned belonged to her husband. But men could legally divorce the, a woman for almost any reason simply by just saying, here, uh, giving him a paper and saying, here, I've, I'm divorcing you. But on the other hand, a woman was never allowed to divorce a husband. In the area of religious practices, women were in many ways overlooked. Men were required to say their prayers and were required to pray certain prayers daily. Women were not. It was important for men to study the scriptures, but women were not allowed to study the scriptures. Um, One of the rabbis uh, in the first century was quoted as saying, Rather should the word of the Torah be burned than entrusted to a woman. That's pretty strong. At the temple in Jerusalem, women were restricted to just the outer court. They weren't allowed to go inside. In the synagogues, they were separated. The men on one side, the women on the other side. And women not, were not uh, uh, allowed to read out loud. They were not even allowed to testify in a, in a religious court. Their testimony meant nothing. If, uh, if they were a witness to a crime, their testimony meant nothing. They weren't even asked to testify. But I want to tell you that Jesus defies all of these man-made rules when he comes. Um, Despite all of the rules and the regulations and despite all the prejudices against women, I would like for you to consider the fact that women have incredible potential. Women have incre- they have the potential to love. They have the potential to learn, to teach, to mentor. Um, they have a potential to witness. They have the potential to pray. Um, potential, all these things that a woman can do. And I'd also like you to consider the fact that the enemy always attacks potential. So the, the, we can, as women, because we have so much potential, we can ex- expect Satan to come against us. We can expect to have to fight some enemy, uh, some battles with the enemy. Uh, but Jesus' ministry to women, he sort of set the record straight. Uh, Jesus never treated women as inferior. Despite the negative treatment of women in the Bible, Jesus never treated them that way. In fact, he went outside of the norm for that day. He recognized a woman's dignity, and he recognized their desires and their gifts, and he recognized the value of a woman, and he recognized the value of a mother and of a grandmother. Jesus, for example, he speaks to women in public. He doesn't just speak to them. He actually defends them. I want you, uh, there's a few things, stories I want to go through this morning that I just want to bring to your remembrance. Most of them are common stories that you know in the scriptures. The first one is found in John uh, chapter eight. And I want you to notice in this, this scripture that Jesus recognizes that women are worth saving. This story uh, is the account of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And the leaders of that day, they accused her and they brought her before Jesus. And uh, they told Jesus, in the days of Moses, she would have been stoned. What do you say? She should be stoned because of her sins. Well, first of all, I want you to, to recognize the fact that they didn't bring the man. Isn't that a little strange? They said she was caught in the very act, so obviously the man was there, right? 
but they brought her before Jesus and wanted judgment for her. This again speaks to the prejudice against women. The accusers, they did not value the life of this woman. All they really cared about was if they could trap Jesus. Their foremost thought was about trapping Jesus and getting him to say something that would trap him. But when Jesus calls for the one who is without sin to be the first one to throw the stone, all of her accusers drop their stones and they leave. In my mind, I have this mental picture of this woman as she stands before Jesus and all of her accusers are gone. She stands humiliated beyond words and she looks into the eyes of Jesus and I believe she sees only compassion there. When they both realize that all of her accusers are gone, Jesus tells her that he does not condemn her either. That word condemn is such a strong word. It means to pass judgment. It means to pass sentence or to attack or to blame or to damn. That's a strong word. But Jesus said, neither do I attack you or blame you or damn you. Neither do I condemn you. And then he followed those famous words with the words, go and sin no more. Jesus is not condoning her sin, but instead he's showing her mercy. I want to tell you this morning, he was saving her. He was saving her. Maybe you have felt like Women, maybe some of you have felt like you've lived a life full of regret and bad choices and bad decisions. Trust me, you're not the first woman to make bad choices. And Jesus speaks those same words to you today. He says, I do not condemn you. Go and stop sinning. Jesus thinks you're worth saving. In many years of full-time ministry, I can tell you that one of the themes of women that I counsel with or that I talk with, one of the things that they say repeatedly and I hear over and over is, how can God use me or how can God forgive me? I've made so many bad choices. I don't feel worthy to be used of God or to be forgiven. This story right here tells us how Jesus feels about that. He thinks you are worthy. He's not condemning you. He's quietly asking you to make changes and live a life without sin. But he's not going to stone you. Your words of hope this morning that I want to give you is, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. You know, we get it confused sometimes. We think that since he doesn't condemn us and he's forgiven us, then we can live whatever. It's okay to go ahead and live the way we're living. No, he wants us to change our life, but he doesn't condemn us for our past. He wants to, wants to make us new creatures in him. Our words of hope, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Number two, Jesus recognizes that women are worthy to be in covenant with him. There's a story in the uh, book of Luke chapter 13, and this is a story of a woman who had been crippled for 18 years, and uh, she was in the uh, the temple on the Sabbath worshiping, and evidently this woman had been crippled by an evil spirit. 
Jesus called her over to him, and the Bible says that he touched her, and he said, woman, you are set free of your infirmity. In all of the Gospels, you will never hear of Jesus touching someone who is demon-possessed in order to deliver them. He always just spoke a word, and it was done. I don't necessarily believe that this woman was possessed. She was in the temple to worship. But for 18 years, Satan had bound her with a horrible sickness that gave her no liberty to walk upright in a normal way. For 18 years, she had not been able to look up at the sun. For 18 years, she had not been able to look up at the stars, but she walked, bent over, afflicted, had not been able to stand upright. For 18 years, she suffered from the hands of Satan. And at last, Jesus, by just touching her and speaking the words, set her free. And she began to glorify and praise God. Imagine 18 years of sickness and bondage and now healing. Her words of hope that day was, woman, you are loosed. Some of you ladies might be sitting here today and you have been bound for some time with some sort of affliction from Satan. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's not sickness at all. Maybe it's depression. Or maybe it's anxiety. Or maybe it's fear that you're struggling with. I want to tell you today, this could be the day that Jesus speaks those words of hope to you. When he says, woman, you are free. Woman, you are loosed. I want to tell you today that this could be your day. You are worthy of that freedom. He died for your freedom. But the leaders of the synagogue that day, they became upset that Jesus had healed this woman on the Sabbath. And they said, girl, there's six days a week that you can come and get your healing. What are you doing? You do, what are you doing here on the Sabbath to get your healing? Now, to me, that just raises something up in me. I'm just like, are you kidding? This woman has been sick for 18 years, and you're concerned about what day Jesus heals her? Jesus called them all a bunch of hypocrites, and I'm so glad he did. Jesus uses an interesting term when he speaks to this woman, and he turns to her. And the compassion, I mean, he touched her, y'all. He touched her. And then he turned to her in compassion, and he called her a daughter of Abraham. That almost brings tears to my eyes. Let me tell you why. Men were often referred to as sons of Abraham. And this was talking about how they were bound to God by covenant through Abraham. Uh, Abraham in the Old Testament, God makes a covenant with Abraham, and he promises Abraham that he would guide him, that he would protect him, and that he would make him a great people, and that he would give a great inheritance to Abraham. Well, now here's Jesus and he's turning to this woman and he's calling her a daughter of Abraham. Remember, women were not supposed to receive an inheritance. And so Jesus, what he's really saying is here, I give you this as an inheritance. When Jesus called her this, he's letting everyone know that he recognizes this woman as having equal worth. She was worthy 
of God's touch. She was worthy of Jesus' touch. She was worthy of his healing. She was worthy of his compassion. She was worthy to be called his daughter. Oh, how sweet those words of hope when he said, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? Shouldn't she be loosed from this bond? Words of hope. Ladies, these are words of hope for you. You are in covenant with He finds you worthy to be in covenant with him. The New Testament covenant is a covenant of faith and grace and our faith working together with his grace, a covenant of healing and blessing. And the Lord wants to tell you this morning that you're worthy to be in covenant with him. You're worthy for him to set you free from whatever you're struggling with. And you're worthy for him to offer you this inheritance and a covenant for your future. The third thing here I want us to look at is how Jesus recognizes women are worthy to be used in ministry. Ooh, I love this. John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. The story goes like this. Jesus and his disciples, they're passing through the region of Samaria. And he becomes tired. And so they stop outside the city and they rest beside a well of water. The disciples go into town to get food, and while they're gone, Jesus completely ignores two different codes of behavior. First of all, he initiates a conversation with a Samaritan woman who the Jews had no respect for. He initiates a conversation with this Samaritan woman. And then secondly, he also initiated a conversation with a woman. Both of those things were unheard of in these days. But Jesus asked her for a drink of of water from the well. And she's surprised by this. And she says, how can a Jew ask me, a Samaritan and a woman, for a drink of water? But Jesus not only speaks to her, but he also enters into a prolonged dialogue with her. A dialogue that recognizes um, and honors her thirst for religious truth. And... um, Ultimately, he reveals himself to her as the Messiah. Now, the disciples return, and they're uh, immediately very uneasy about the fact that Jesus is talking to a woman and about his behavior. And they say, what are you looking for? What are you doing? Why are you talking to her? This um, Samaritan woman, as she talked to Jesus and he revealed himself as the Messiah, she found faith in her heart and she believed. And she became excited in her spirit for what she had, what had been revealed to her. Jesus, this man is the Messiah. I'm talking about, I'm talking to the Messiah. He's revealed everything to me that all about my life. And he's, he's shown me that he is the Messiah. This Samaritan woman might have been the first woman evangelist. She ran back to her village and she started telling everyone she could, everyone she encountered. She started telling them about Jesus. And guess what? They believed. Now, remember, we're in a, t- in a culture where um, women are not even allowed to testify in court. And yet here she is testifying about her, re- her encounter with Jesus and people are believing 
She's preaching Jesus Christ. And because of her witness, the Bible says that many in the town believed on him because of her testimony, her testimony. Jesus remained there a couple of days and the Bible says that many believed on him. But I want to ask you this question. Why on earth do you think that Jesus revealed himself to this woman? Why didn't he save this revelation for a man? Why didn't he reveal himself and make himself known to a man? Because wouldn't it have been much better for a man to go back to the city and preach? Wouldn't more people have listened to a man? Wouldn't he be deemed more trustworthy to be given the secrets of God? But in John, it says many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of this woman. And many testified on his behalf. I'm going to tell you, women, we are worthy to share the gospel. We are worthy for ministry. We are worth. There's so much hope in, in in this passage of scripture in John. There's so much hope there. There's so many scriptures there that are so exciting. Are you ready to hear them? Let me, I'm ready to share them with you. Words of hope, John 4 and 10, it says, Jesus is talking to this woman and he says, If you only knew the gift God has for you. Now, I want you to know, I I realize, I recognize that in this scripture, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about this is the gift that I have is is me and my salvation. But I also believe that he's talking about if, if you only knew the gift I have for you, you would stir it up. You would stir it up. Women, if you only knew the gifts that God has for you, you would stir them up and you would use them for what he wants you to use them for. And he says, I would give you living water. If you only know the gifts that I have for you, I would stir them up and let God flow through you. And then then, uh, it goes on in another scripture, John 4 and 14, it says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. These are words of hope. Ladies, wouldn't you like to feel that bubbling spring within you, giving you eternal life and giving you, quenching the thirst of your spirit? That's a word of hope there, ladies. He has a gift and he wants to give it to you. And it'll be something that's so exciting that it'll just spring up within your heart and within your spirit. And the third, uh, the third words of hope there in John 4 and 26, 6, he says, I am the Messiah. It was this recognition, I believe, that set that woman on fire. She was ready to preach. When she re- had a recognition in her heart and in her spirit of who the Messiah was and that he had given her a gift and it was already welling up in her spirit and here's the Messiah and I got to tell somebody about him. Words of hope, women, is God wants to use you in ministry. You are worthy to be used in ministry. The last thing I want to point out to us is a scripture in uh, John 19. In this scripture, Jesus recognizes women are worthy of his constant and loving care. We find ourselves in this scripture at the foot of the cross. And at the foot of the cross stands Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she gazes up 
at the son that she had raised and loved and cared for and worried over. And she's watching him die. I can't imagine the grief. Along beside her, not far away, is John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, the one he loved. Most likely, Mary's husband, Joseph, had been dead for some time. And Jesus, being the elder son, was the one responsible for caring for his mother. But I doubt very seriously that um, she was thinking of that. I doubt that she was even really thinking of herself at all. I imagine her thoughts, because I know a mother's thoughts, I imagine her thoughts are only on the pain of her son and what he was suffering. Mary stood at the cross while her son died, and no one there even tried to save him. Most there, most of the people there were there to make sure that he died. And Jesus is stretched out upon that cross and he's suspended between heaven and earth and he's bearing the weight of all the sin of all the world. He's bearing the weight of all the sin of past ages before him. He's bearing the sin of all the world for that present age. And he's bearing all the sin of all the world in ages to come, which includes my sin and your sin. He's bearing my sin. And Jesus is stretched out on the cross with all that evil and wickedness of mankind being placed on him. We cannot even fathom or begin to understand what he was suffering. But all of the suffering that Jesus was experiencing and still his thoughts were with his mother. What would she do? Who would care for her? Who would provide for her? Knowing that she needed care, um, probably not just for her material needs, but also for the loneliness and the loss. Think of the loss that she was going to be suffering after Jesus died and after he was gone. And out of his great love for his mother, he spoke these words. He said, dear woman, here is your son meaning John. And he said to John, here is your mother. Words of hope. Dear woman, here is your son. It was his way of saying, I know you need somebody. I give you John. I know you're going to need someone. I give you to my most loved and trusted disciple. What words of hope that day for Mary. There was another time in John 14 and 16 that the Lord sent words of hope to us. He said, I'm getting ready to go away. But then he said, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Women, just like Jesus was conscious of his mother's needs and he said, here, I give you somebody to take care of you. John will be your son. 
but he speaks words of hope to us today when he says, women, I have somebody else to take care of you. You're not alone. I have sent someone here to walk beside you. He is going to be your comforter. He is going to be your helper. This Right, imagine right now, wherever you sit and whatever your situation is, many women are sitting here today, maybe in agony or maybe in pain. And I'm telling you that right now, Jesus' thoughts are with you. If his thoughts could be upon his mother while he's dying on the cross, don't you think that right now his thoughts are with you? Don't you think that he is concerned with your care and with your needs? He wants to remind you of the one, the helper that he has sent to help you, to comfort you and be with you. The takeaway from the message this morning, there's many words of hope in the scripture that are just for women. When you need hope, read for yourself. Read those letters written in red. Read those letters written in red. There has not been very many times, I don't know really if ever, that I have felt a message so passionately that women, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy to be saved. You are worthy to be used. You are worthy to be called daughters of God. You are worthy of his loving care. You are worthy. And I don't know if I've ever felt it so passionately. I mean, while I was studying, I felt it in my spirit so strong. I even texted my husband. And I said, oh, I'm getting so excited about my message because it was ministering to me. And if it's just for one of you, then it was worth it. If you just bow your heads this morning. Father, I just pray for all of our women here this morning, Father. Our moms, Lord, who are so precious to us. Some of us have them with us and some don't. Lord, we all, we all come from all kinds of walks of life. Some of us didn't even have a good mom. But God, I'm just thankful today that you, are, you believe in us as women. You think we have great potential. Lord, I ask you to minister to these ladies today.